Welcome. This is Steve Sherlock with another Franklin Matters radio show, number 491 in the series. This session of the show shares my Talk Franklin conversation with Town Administrator Jamie Helen and Marketing Communications Specialist Anne-Marie Tracy. We had our conversation via conference bridge to adhere to the social distancing requirements of this pandemic period. We talk about pandemic and recovery, vaccines still not being locally delivered, and reopening, including the library, on March 22nd. The budget cycle is now starting. The FinCom Finance Committee got a preview of the revenues last week. The Budget Subcommittee gets to review those as well this Wednesday before the Town Council meeting. And the School Committee budget got previewed at their meeting on March 9th. Henry also updates us on changes and uh, improvements in Think Franklin First and how that's a win-win-win. Uh, Earth Day registration will be forthcoming. And there's a couple of other opportunities to get engaged and have your questions answered. The Senior Coffee Hour, which is really open to any Franklin resident, on Thursday morning the 18th at 8.30 a.m. And a Franklin Matters Q&A with the Senior Center, also open to anybody, that afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Links to the key topics covered here are included in the show notes. The recording runs about 31 minutes. So let's listen to my conversation with Jamie and Anne-Marie. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at wfpr.fm and on the local area dial at 102.9 here for another Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Happy Friday, Jamie. Happy Friday, Steve. And our marketing communications specialist, Anne-Marie Tracy. Likewise, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Steve. The weather's warm today, but I think we're in this, you know, March weather roller coaster. You know, it's warm some days and then we get snow again. Uh, it's just, you know, it's typical New England, right? What else can we do? <laughs> it, it's been weird, um, for sure. I'll take it, you know, but the the 60 degree swing is, is kind of tough, you know, being in the 70s yesterday and then you know i'm hearing it's going to be in the teens by by tomorrow morning so that's a little shock to the system but we're headed in the right direction at least you know yes. it's getting better the calendar day by day is marching forward no pun intended <laughs> that sounded like a pun intended it was a good setup it was a good setup it was a good setup but on the pandemic uh, front, there's there's also gradual progress going forward, reopening steps here and there. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It'll be not tomorrow, but it's coming. Yeah, well, uh, I think, you know, here we are on, you know, whatever the date is. I mean, we're day after the president. We're basically at the one-year anniversary of the pandemic. I think before you get into that, I think I'd just like to mention, you know, to remind everybody out there that, you know, as of this week, I got an updated total, you know, the 42 Franklinites. 42. Uh, yeah. 42 have passed, you know, in this past year. Uh, you know, there was a 42 of your grandparents, neighbors, friends, family members. Uh, I'm sure at the appropriate time, you know, and, and we're far from over, obviously, with the pandemic, but think that you know like the president said last night in his speech you know you know having that moment of reflection for a minute about what this has been like for the last year i think he said this is more more casualties than world war one world war two vietnam and 9 11 combined uh i mean that, that was a give, jarring statistic 
completely yeah. jarring statistic. It's, it's, yeah. it's um, and 42 of our of our you know brothers and sisters here in Franklin have passed. And you know, for the um, you know, we understand that you know the the highest risk category, Steve. I mean, it's it's factual. I mean, I think the average age of the fatality in Massachusetts is still in excess of 80 years old. Yep. Some points during the pandemic, it was, the average age was up around 84, 85, even. Clearly, um, age and your immune system, you know, has a big, it are really the largest criteria in terms of how people fare with, with this virus. Mm -hmm. But, you know, well, but as think, we move, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think even picking up on what President Biden said, it wasn't just as in Franklin's case, the 42 died from COVID. But there were other natural deaths that occurred during the year. And because of the pandemic, those celebrations of life, whether funerals or whatever, those weren't held either. So it really impacted a broad spectrum of the population. I think it's affected everybody one way or another. I think yeah. if, if we don't admit that, it's 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 not good. I mean, you know, I had this past year, you know, both of my godparents passed away, uh, you know, 70 and 69. Uh, yeah. Obviously, far too young, both, but um, you know, both had other health issues, you know, and many other people non COVID related at the point from celebrities to non celebrities to friends mm -hmm. and family. Uh, sure. You know, it just seemed like a year of, of a tremendous amount of sadness. And, you know, one of the hardest things about that is, you know, as you get older, Steve, we're all kind of in some ways like this. You know, you, you see a lot of family and you have a lot of family reunions with your own wake, right? And, you know, for folks that have large families, particularly and a lot of people in Franklin, extended families, you know, that can be really awful. It's been one of the saddest things as a town administrator, you know, I've had to hear of all year is just the amount of people passing non-COVID related and just not being able to be there for anybody else. We've had employees who have been in that situation where, sure. you know, normally the employees get together to try to comfort that individual can't do it. Um, and so, you know, there's been a lot of pain out there. And I thought, you know, while we're sitting here and kind of talking off air about, you know, the fact that things are uh, reopening, I thought it was classy that the president started with the remembrance last night uh, of what has gone on in a year and the disruption mm -hmm. in everybody's lives, however small or large. Um, and I think one of the unfortunate incidents, and Anne Marie and I have talked about this in the office numerous times, one of the hardest things recently with the vaccine rollout um, has been, and I think where 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 the governor has, has certainly not done his best job is just on this, who's got the worst situation? You know, who's most at risk? Grocery mm -hmm. store workers, teachers, this, that, the other thing. Right. And I think plucking and choosing, you've seen at the ground level, this, this, this really you know, divisive debate of my life's work. And I think the way the rollout of the vaccines has gone is pitted people against each other. Oh, who's more in threat? Right. A teacher or an assessor or an inspector at the fire department or the building. Yeah. And and not just municipal officials. I mean, everybody, you know, grocery store workers went through a very traumatic time many, oh, you know, a year oh ago gosh. where yeah. they were, you know, getting paid, you know, minimum wage and they're in there right on the front lines, mm -hmm. stores everybody goes to. And then some people think, well, why can't they get to the front of the line? You know, and, and, and yeah. it doesn't stop there, right? It's no. asthmatics. It's, oh, I'm a public works employee. Oh, I've been working at this place. Oh, I'm yeah. a staff member who is the one person who was here during this whole thing. 
a lot of different difficult things. And I think what it exposed to me is, is we've all had a challenging year hmm. in one shape or another. And I thought what the president did last night is, is lay the groundwork to say, let's just for a little while, maybe not think about our entire personal situation, but for what is the other person I'm speaking to going through as yeah. well. And put myself yeah. in their shoes and realize we got to get out of this divided, my life is worse or my situation is the worst and realize that, you know, um, there are others. Last week I was very, you know, and it's on your list, so I'll say this, but we did have a clinic at the housing authority because a month and a half ago, the governor did allow housing authorities to be vaccinated. Right. It took us four to, we ordered the doses a month ago. Yeah. The governor wouldn't give them to us. So we just no. got them last week. There were people crying and saying things like, I never thought I was going to get this. Um, you know, people that were uh, you know, obviously um, you know, struggling financially, um, you know, probably likely have more than two comorbidities, yeah. uh, wheelchairs, elderly, mm-hmm. uh, didn't leave their house for 10 months. I know. Um, and they're getting the shot from our paramedics up there. And the clinic went great. We were able to do uh, about 120, 140 uh, housing authority um, citizens, both here in Norfolk, because Franklin runs the Norfolk Housing Authority as well. So it's one for the regional yep. unit. Sure. And you just you step out for a minute and you say, geez, you know, uh, some reflection and perspective on all this. We're all in this boat. And I thought the president laying it last night saying, on May 1st, everybody can get a vaccine. And everybody's eligible is uh, I hope gives a lot of people a lot of hope out there that, that you know in, in the next few months we can start to really make a dent in this and turn it around. Yeah, we need to put the hunger game hunger games mentality behind us and go forward together because we're, we've gotten through it together, but in a divided way to this conversation's point, and you know we we need to get that you know civil discourse re, re, reconvened. And obviously in, in person as we can gradually going forward. I agree. I think it's, um, you know, Jamie, you make some great points. People, I mean, everybody's been affected um, in one way or another, although some, some people have experienced just some incredibly traumatic, mm-hmm. um, really difficult um, circumstances and situations. And um, I think it's just so important for us to, you know, as we re-enter the world, um, we've all been feeling so isolated, but just to go out there with a lot of empathy and a lot of kindness and just realize that everyone's been through a lot. And mm-hmm. um, the more we can be kind and considerate of not knowing everyone else's experiences, um, I just think it's important to always just have that in the forefront of your mind to know that people have been through a lot. Everybody yes. has. Yeah. yeah. It's a unifying moment if we want it. I mean, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I look at the folks that if you look at the statistics and, you know, a lot of people like data. You know, this has been the Great Depression for the people who are making minimum wage jobs. Absolutely. You know, waiters and yeah. waitresses and retail workers and small business owners and, um, <clears throat> that have lost everything they've saved, lost what they have, lost mm-hmm. their identity. Um, this is no different than, 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 than the Great Depression to some degree. The thing with yeah. the Great Depression that doesn't get told because we focus on the, the poverty aspect of it, but there were people still, you know, oil, you know, they were making millions of, you know, there was still good, you know, there was still some activity obviously going into the Great Depression. Yeah. 
you know, but it, right now, when you look at the stimulus plan, you know, it's going to take years to roll out, um, but it's very FDR-like. And, you know, it's saying if we don't do anything, how much worse can this get? Right. Is, is opposed to, do I agree with all the spending in that? Absolutely not. You know, um, but, you know, as, as an American, I think in some ways before you're the town administrator or citizen or husband or you know, whatever, um, you, know, you got to think, you know, what about everybody else? And, you know, the people that aren't having a great time with this. And when you do look at a lot of those things, there's no question that that bill is going to be a lifeline and a safety net for tens of millions of people across the country. Sure. And particularly, in particular, want parents um, where, you know, for all Massachusetts suburban communities, you know, life might be, you know, fairly decent. But when you're living in even suburban uh, you know, Columbia, Missouri, or outside Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, this is, this can be devastating stuff. And, um, you know, I think that, ultimately um, what we heard last night should give hopefully a lot of optimism and hope you know for people um, in Franklin and beyond uh, over the next several months until it's, you know we can get to the 4th of July mm -hmm. and I think in Massachusetts if I roll out the numbers correctly you know we're looking at about half of the adults in Massachusetts uh, if not two-thirds of the adults uh, will have been vaccinated by about the 4th of July and um, you know, after that, I think we're looking at the next phase of hopefully getting uh, the research done necessary to make sure we understand how the effectiveness of the vaccine is, uh, excuse me, particularly on, on high school students. Sure. But all kids, UMass Worcester is doing that research right now. I don't think it should be a shock to any listeners that um, you know, Massachusetts is at the forefront of that again. And um, all those clinical trials are going on right now at UMass Worcester was on Chronicle the other night. It's a great piece. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully that breeds some, some enthusiasm as we get here in the summer and you know, we kind of see what we can do and what we can't do and, and give everybody a little bit of hope. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was seeing even the CDC or Dr. Fauci, I think was saying the children's vaccines may be 2022, right? So it's still going to be a while, but at least we're on the right road to get there. But I think the data still shows, and I think Fauci has been pretty clear on this, that you don't need to be six feet uh, to be in school. I question whether or not you can't, you, I, I honestly question why people can't be a foot apart, but um, if people are wearing masks and kids are a foot apart, I just feel like that's something that should be doable, but mm -hmm. you know, this isn't my industry. Right. Yeah. Um, but right now, what's the return on investment and, and, what's, and what's the, you know, what's the penalty or the consequence here is, We've got to get parents back to work. We've got to give parents the ability to get their lives and rhythms back. Um, that's what it's about. It's about the rhythm. And people need to get their rhythm back in their life a little bit. And, and, the, and the, probably one of the biggest issues with that is getting kids back in school five days a week all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Between school and work. Yeah. Indeed. Got to get into rhythm, Steve, right? Absolutely. Really, it really is about the rhythm. You just got to get in that flow and. You know, Absolutely. It's just, you know, you wake up and the thing, the coffee goes, you just get into that rhythm every morning. Yeah. You get ready and they get into that rhythm. And, mm -hmm. and, and a, a day would be different in the new world, right? Today, yeah. the days kind of blend together. What day is today? Well, you're not changing much, right? <laughs> it was so hard to get out of our rhythm 
that was what was just so shocking when yeah. when this all went down. You know, it was just yep. it was a complete shock to get out of of the normal. Yeah. And I think it's going to, you know, I've talked to my kids about this. You know, you're going to have to figure out how to phase yourself back into life. You know, getting up, getting dressed, take a shower, get out. You know, get, mm-hmm. get moving. And um, it's um, it's just going to be interesting to see how quickly they respond to like, yeah. let's get back to to your schedules. Indeed, indeed. I think they're going to be teenagers. I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a little sleepy at first, but they're gonna. It's always a little sleepy, <laughs> right? I mean, it's gonna be a little sleepy, but they're gonna go right to it, and they're yeah. gonna get back to it. I, they're I excited. They're, they're about pretty resilient, resilient population. And, and yeah. Yeah. And on the business side, as part of the, what is the future going to be? Where we're into the budget cycle, so. Starting the budget uh, last week was a little bit of a kickoff at the finance committee meeting. There's a budget subcommittee meeting uh, on St. Patrick's Day uh, at six o'clock. Um, Matt Kelly is the chair of that committee, along with um, Tom Murphy, Debbie Fleisley, and Melanie Hamlin. Uh, they'll be looking at a preview of the budget model, uh, which will be also previewed right now, which is we're looking at about a $2.7 million structural budget deficit. Ultimately, this really comes down to the two largest departments in town. Um, this is not new news. It's been the news since I've been in Franklin and I think right. before I got to Franklin six years ago. And ultimately, what we have here is um, is the school department and the DPW in particular. You know, have uh, large budgets. They have uh, large fluctuating uh, budgets that as I articulated the FinCom, really reach every corner of the community. Um, you know, a lot of people don't call the police ever. <laughs> a lot of people don't go to the library. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't go to the senior center, right? Because yep. uh, that's what it's for. But, you know, those two departments reach every, every square into the community. And, you know, really at the end of the day, I think the message to the community is, is we're going to be able to uh, preserve mm-hmm. And, and improve all core services across the board based on our projections. And I think the policy debates are gonna be highly focused. And the policy debates, Steve, I mean, the ones that are really within our control. Pension Correct. rules, I can't control. No, health insurance is a market-based thing. We work the best we can every year. We try to right. do the best, but we all know health insurance everywhere is a class factor. But uh, in terms of the things that we can control, uh, you know, really comes down to the budget of the school department of DPW this year with uh, a lot of new stuff uh, relative to stormwater on the school side, the post-pandemic recovery, the stimulus plan is a little unclear right now and probably won't get cleared up until after the budget season is over about where those monies will go and how to offset them. So um, I, I do want to assure everybody who's listening, you know, that, that this year, you know, Given the situation we've gone through, to be in the position we're in does reflect heavily on our legislative delegation and does reflect heavily on the town departments in town, particularly the building commissioner, recreation director, town of assessors. You know, they have been able to be very innovative, very business friendly, which has helped our revenue stream. And yeah. So, As um, we've talked here, everybody's been creative. Everybody's been you know, thinking out of the box, everybody's been reducing costs here and there. And oh, by the way, in many cases, the services actually have improved in some cases, et cetera, I certainly have not skipped the beat. <laughs> so not skipped the beat. And, you know, going into next year, yes, we're going to have a couple challenging conversations about stormwater and about the schools, but, but those are every year. I mean, right. those aren't issues that are no. brand new. These are discussions for the community to have every year. 
Yeah, the so key word we, and to reinforce that is the structural deficit. We need yeah. to figure out how we're going to structure that and how, how are we ever going to resolve it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's we've had that word floated around five or six years now. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, it's worth noting that our service levels are still quite stellar. The yeah. Franklin Public School District still is performing at a very high level. Yep. The, the children are getting a phenomenal education. Our roads are getting plowed. We're reconstructing roads. We're doing a lot of DPW. We do a phenomenal job. So a lot of this, I think, is something that um, you know, is something that the, the leaders in the community are going to have to try to resolve on behalf of taxpayers. See what those things are. So we're going to get that kicked off this week, and. Um, you know, hopefully people will uh, stay tuned. Yeah, definitely stay tuned. Uh, I've shared the school committee audio and the notes uh, from their preview of the budget. And I think paraphrasing what uh, school committee member Tim Keenan mentioned, it effectively rephrases uh, some of what we're saying, but we're on the focus on the school side. Are we as a community happy that 75% of the communities in Massachusetts are spending more per pupil than we are? And if well, we are, then yeah. then we go. And if we're not, then that's part of the discussion we need to have. <laughs> How are we going to address that? It's funny you should say that, Steve. I mean, we've talked about this, and and I hope I don't. I'm not overstepping my my bounds here. This is the problem I have with statistics: is that everybody's got one, and it feeds whatever narrative people want. What I think needs to be portrayed, and I've said this publicly numerous times is what's the tangible vision for the future of the school district for the next right. 10 years. Yeah. And, and for those on, on, on any, any resident in town who's a stakeholder in the school community, which is all of us, but let's whittle it down a little bit more to the, the direct customers, the folks, mm-hmm. the parents and the, and, the, and the PCCs and the sports and athletic teams, et cetera, music. You know, the real question for the community is what's the vision? What's not there that we want? And, and have that debate with the public. I think the per pupil cost, while accurate, and certainly um, is, is you know, Mr. King is not incorrect, but it doesn't really make some sense because in the same vein, our school district is performing really well. So it doesn't match the narrative of what's yeah. actually <clears throat> happening. And, and ultimately other people can say, well, the per pupil cost is a result of the, the changing chapter 70 formula, which is true. So we can get into the tennis matches of what's the right stat to feed the narrative to get it. But ultimately, I think what the community is looking for from the people that talk to me that are many seniors in town mm-hmm. um, who have grandchildren, but also uh, many parents in town are saying, you know, ultimately, what's the future yeah. in the next 10 years? And I think the superintendent laid this out a little bit with the facilities analysis. Absolutely. Um, that's that's a big conversation. Right? Yep. And so Absolutely. you're in 2020, you're in pandemic year. Um, it's the whole world has been blown up to some degree. What, where, what, it's almost like project 2030. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where do we want to be in 2030 and how do we well, get there? And we've talked about 2028 cause that's the 250th. Okay, what, 2020. what are we going to be when we hit 250? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all related. This. Yeah. Councilors really uh, brought this up, Steve, I think at the vein of like zoning and, and community development, but nonetheless, he's, he's hundred percent right. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that that's where the um, in the portrait of a graduate also comes in because the school district has worked really hard to, you know, set that Correct. that vision and that yeah. you know that is where a lot of 
the you know the trajectory is going to be towards that you know this is mm -hmm. what we're we want every graduate of franklin high school the skills for them to have right and so that's I think that where was an important point but that was just an important thing for them to set into motion that this is where we want to go right it's much more of a visual in terms of the skills and the qualifications for them to come out as citizens or capable of citizens in democracy going forward as a learning person, person who's gonna to continue to learn. And the real question comes back to what we've been discussing is how do you quantify that? What does it take to actually produce that? Um, and that, that's where we're gonna have the discussion. As long as we agree in the vision, we're going this way. Okay, how do we do that? What do you need to get there? Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Work yeah. backwards. You got to mm -hmm. have the vision first and work backwards and find out how you're going to get there. Yep. You know, I think that they're going to get that process a little bit more underway as they phase into next uh, fiscal year. Yeah, because based on the update Tuesday's school committee meeting, uh, certainly the Davis Thayer to Keller transition planning is underway. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of people are interested in that. And clearly, that needs to happen. But then the structural piece, okay, we've got at least two other schools potentially according to one report said we could close how are we going to do that what's our plan for our total facility utilization going forward and that's going to have a dollar impact it, it may not be major in some cases but it's going to be not minor either so it's not going to be minor. you're right yeah so think franklin first is another related topic because we're always thinking franklin we're talking <laughs> franklin <laughs> yeah let's hope everyone's always thinking franklin first um so obviously this is um a program that i i'm very enthusiastic about i've been just thrilled with the community support for um our think franklin first gift card program and um we recently had a um had just a great collaboration um and i wanted to make sure we shared this so um the the franklin food pantry shuts down every uh, to do just a big deep clean um and make sure that their facility is you know organized clean ready to go um but during that week they they don't want to leave their you know their customers um you know, without without anything for a week. Sure. Um, obviously, yeah. they're a supplemental pantry. They're not, you know, providing everything that families and individuals need. Um, but they will typically give out gift cards and that type of a thing uh, for people to use during that week of the closure. Mm -hmm. So this time, the Franklin Food Pantry um, decided to purchase Think Franklin First gift cards, which um is just such a wonderful i i can't even say how, how thrilled i was when i got that phone call to tell me um about that decision yep. um and it just has created this great um cyclical support system in our town so you know the the community helps to fundraise and um helps to support our food pantry the food pantry um buys these gift cards to help support their members. These gift cards help support our businesses, um, especially during you yeah. know, this difficult time. And then you know, these businesses are also participating in Project Envoy, many of them, which then is giving money back to the food pantry. And it's just been such a wonderful story of, of how Franklin operates and just how supportive our community is and um i know i was speaking to lynn calling um and also to tina powderly at the food pantry and they were talking about how excited they were to give them out because mm -hmm. 
you know, it could be, uh, you know, a mom who hasn't been able to go get their kid sure. a haircut. Um, yeah. And now they can go to Caesars and and, and do that or, yeah. you know, pick up Franklin honey. You know, we all know entering allergy season, mm-hmm. how important that is. So yes. it just gives some great options to people and, and also supports our local businesses. So I was just so thrilled um, to see how that had all come together. Yeah, that's a. Oh, a wonderful never-ending story because no matter where you start the story just keeps going it just keeps going and i think that's the greatest part about it is just again is just a testament to our town and our community and, and how um everybody just works together to to get to get things done when we yep. need to absolutely uh, for those who hadn't heard i shared uh dan ferrick from the project envoy we shared an interview with him earlier this week as part of the March re-enrollment or re- new calendar for March. Uh, we'll do again another one for April as at least those three months. And they're already talking of probably continuing that for a bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's great. I went to um, intermission this week to go grab myself some yep. coffee and mm-hmm. um, something to eat. And I used my Franklin First gift card and it just felt so great to, to do all of that together. Yes, so. yes. Wonderfulness indeed. Indeed. And then we'll be able to get outside a little bit and do something for the earth with registration coming soon. Yes. And another, you know, another great example of, um, you know, Franklin just coming together uh, for the betterment of our community. So uh, the Recreation Department, Ryan Jetty, they put together an Earth Day cleanup every year. Um, You know, last year, even during the pandemic, um, you know, we had lots and lots of people out cleaning up our town. So uh, Earth Day is April 24th, and they have organized another cleanup of our town. Um, You have to register online. It's free. There's no cost to be involved, but everyone's meeting at Beaver Pond, and they'll be told, um, you know, some, some safe places to go to go right. clean Dispersed up collect. throughout the town clean up exactly yep. given a map of some great places to go you know try to pick up and clean up um it's unbelievable actually the the amount of um items <laughs> that they collect each year uh so they'll be giving out free t-shirts to the first hundred volunteers um it's just such a great feel good um opportunity for uh, our residents and kids alike to participate in helping to, you know, clean up our town. Yeah. Keep I'm it looking, as keep it as nice as possible. I'm looking forward to it. even albeit at a distance, we'll we'll probably see some people we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then after the council meeting, uh people have questions. <clears throat> Jamie and I know you and Rep Roy and others will gather for the senior coffee hour uh, Thursday morning. And I also have a session with the seniors uh, in the afternoon for our Franklin Matters Q&A. So continuing that theme of, you know, engagement, stay involved. If you have questions, don't be bashful, reach out either this way or some other way. You know, I think that um, coffee's always been kind of fun. I mean, now that we're talking about post-pandemic, hopefully (laughs) sometime this summer we can doing them back in person but uh yeah. yeah rep roy and uh the town counselors and myself and some of the staff get together and have coffee on uh it'll be uh, march 18th at 8 30. we have the links on the calendar uh franklinma.gov and, and you know we obviously don't limit it just like the senior center we don't limit it to seniors really anybody can hop in and have right. discussions we've done a few people recently about vaccines and some other things so uh usually it's a good lively debate and uh it's great to have people come yeah and some interesting things come up out of that too. So it's always good. 
I just remember something that we we needed to add to our agenda for today, which is um, the the fire department and having their um, their St. Patrick's Day drive up meals yes. that they're giving out. So for the um, seniors, yes, the pre-registration. Seniors. So while we're on the topic of seniors, yes, absolutely. So yeah. um, just a great tradition. I'm so happy it's being you know continued this year, even in the pandemic. So um, yep. people can find out all the information they need with the senior center there. So yep. for the seniors who have gone through the drive-through, the only difference will be it'll be the firefighter delivering the drive-through. <laughs> and oh, by the way, yes, you'll be getting the St. Patrick's dinner, assuming you. You want that but you can get other things if you want to so yeah the senior center has been advertising that i've shared, shared that out and i know i just got the email blast from ariel to share out tomorrow as well so yeah we'll be putting plugs in for that uh saint patrick's however you want to celebrate it i mean everybody's irish for the day right yep absolutely <laughs> everybody's irish for the day, right. <laughs> especially in massachusetts indeed well, I think we covered it today, so that's good. Well, thank you both for participating and sharing and uh, enjoy the weekend, albeit the uh, the roller coaster of weather will continue, but you know, we're on the right way as we've talked about it, so. Always like a box of chocolates in uh, New England with weather, Steve, right? You never know what you're gonna get. It's true, Absolutely. 60 degrees today, I'm in the... I'm in the sun. You guys can see me, and yeah, and uh, and then this weekend it might uh, rain or get a wintry mix. So, yes, classic New England. Yeah, we'll hope for more of the water side than the winter side for our <laughs> budget snow and ice removal. Change, yes, <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that's the whole way I do snow now is to <laughs> snow and ice removal. And dollars. <laughs> yes, dollars and cents. Sad but true. Very true. Indeed. Well, have a great weekend, Steve. Thanks so much. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you, Steve. You Thanks. too. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters. Mm -hmm.